I do know one thing. This evening we'll be ready for round two of the Revolutionary War. <laughs> and probably round three tomorrow evening. <laughs> so we be prepared for the cannons going off and everything else happening later on this evening. Especially when the sun goes down about nine. Then we'll know about it then. This morning we asked a question. Just simply was, is it well with your soul? This evening we won't ask two questions this evening together, and we'll only look at one of them, but they both are what we call philosophical questions. That is, questions everybody tends to ask. If you would ask most people on the street this question, they would not be able to give you much of an answer. The question is, why am I here? To most, they would look at that question and think, well, I'm here occupying space, I'm breathing air, uh, I've got a family to support, I have to work, but that's the only reason why I'm here. Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get to retire someday and live a few years quietly. The second question that you ask people, and they still again have no clue, is do I really matter? Most would look at themselves and say, no. I'm just here occupying space. As I answered you a moment ago, and I'm breathing air, and I'm working to make a living, hopefully retire in a few years to be able to do what I want to do. That's the way most people look at themselves. But this evening we want to look at simply that question of value. Most people do tend to look at themselves as, I really don't matter. I'm occupying space and time. I'm more likely in other people's way, or I'm taking up other people's space, or I'm doing something someone else would rather be doing than me, or whatever they give because of them where they've lived their life. Most people look at it because their mind don't got no value, not worth much. We're not talking about what they got in their bank account. They're talking about simply their life as a whole, not worth much. If you were to really calculate, they said, well, you know, not a whole lot of any amount. They couldn't come up with one if they had to. Most people tend to be taught or believe that the past is Nothing at all, it's gone, nothing you can do about it, nothing you can do to change it, what was what, when was when, you have to just let it go, it's nothing at all. There is no future. If you talk to most people, they look at them, look at you kind of funny when you ask what you're going to do in the future, or what are your future plans to them, there is no future. To the majority of the people around us, all they have is right now, the present, the moment. And their attitude is to try to do the best they can as quickly as they can, have as much fun as they possibly can, because we never know when they're going to come and say, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. But the point of it is, and it's hard to get some people to believe it, we are much, much more than simply people taking up space and breathing air. We're much more than this. And is it times we have to sit down and look at ourselves and, as we would say, calculate the cost of how much we're really worth? If you were to sell an item at a yard sale, at a flea market, or on, even on eBay, how would you determine what its cost would be? Especially if it was something that you made by hand, in your little workshop or your little office, your little area in the back of the house or whatever, 
what would you do? What would you put together as a means of determining its cost? One thing would definitely be manufacturing cost. How much does it cost to make something? That's critical, as we well know, in determining its final value. Even Jesus talked about this when he says that someone's going to start to do something, the first thing they need to do and they ought to be doing is what? Sitting down, counting the cost to make sure what, Lord, that they can finish it. Remember the statement in Luke 14, beginning with verse 20, he says, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down, calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, he's not able to finish. All who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. When you think about that for a moment, even though Christ was speaking here 2,000 years ago, you realize you look around us today, <laughs> we still see some of that hanging around. Buildings that started to be built that never finished because the contractor didn't calculate right and run out of money. Or some other factor involved that he didn't think about, never able to finish. But also when we look at manufacturing costs, we've got to look at how much effort goes into making that particular product. Look at it this way. If you plant green beans in a garden, you weed them under the hot sun throughout the summer, you harvest them in the fall of the year with an aching back, you break and string them until the thumbnail is tender to the touch, then you step late canning them, I do think you're going to value them a whole lot more than a dollar fifty. You're going to pay for that can at this grocery store because you're looking at what time and effort it took you, not a machine, you to do all of that. So when we ask ourselves, what are we worth? What about us? How are we made? Probably one of the best descriptions of how we are made is found in David's Psalm 139. You can't beat it. In verses 14 he says, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. David simply stated, and he thanked the Lord because he says to the Lord, I have value. Why do I have value, David? Because you made me. You created me. Every one of us is the, is the result of conception. That plan God put in existence when He created the world and told the world to what? To reproduce. And we are all living proof that that still works. So what are we worth? We were conceived in a mother's womb. That's where we were formed. That's where we began to grow inside till the time came and we were brought out and we were born and brought out into this world. This is how much David says, I think of myself and whatever I'll do. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? God created me. But you notice something. We don't see any time, any place, anywhere throughout the Word of God do we ever find that God was hesitant in creating us. 
never hesitant, even though he already knew what it was going to cost him. Never hesitated, even though he knew what it was going to cost him when he created us. Why? For the simple fact, our value to him is greater than what it cost to create us and redeem us. We never need to let go of that fact. No hesitancy on God's part, even though it's going to cost him the life of his only begotten son, because he knew our value to him was greater than what it cost him to do it. We need never forget that one thing. But also involved, not only as manufacturing, what we call the purchase price. In other words, how much would somebody be willing to pay for this? We do know there are times that people are willing to pay more for a used item than it cost originally. You see that every time you turn on a, one of the car auctions, where it's Meekum or Jackson, we find that cars are 30, 40 years old, sell for 10 times as much as they cost originally. But at the same time, there are people out there who wouldn't even pay the cost of it originally. Why? What's the difference? The more something means to you, the more you're willing to pay to get it. Always keep that in mind. If you want it bad enough, you will pay the price to obtain it. That has never changed. Never has changed. Think about it for a moment. What is the most valuable thing in your house? Don't count your spouse. Count that. Just sit him, sit him or her aside for the moment. <laughs> what is the most valuable thing in your house? Okay. Ask this question. What did you pay for it? Okay. What would you take for it if you wanted to sell it? And also, what would you pay to replace it if it was lost or stolen? Think about all of those for a minute. Again, God thought we were worth enough to pay for us with the blood of His only begotten Son on Calvary. That's how much He was willing to pay. John, in 1 John 4 9, said it this way, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent His only begotten Son in the world so that we might, what? Live through Him. Live through Him. And even Paul added, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. Since God paid for mankind, and since God paid for this great institution called the church, with the blood of His only begotten Son, we must be valuable. We must be. In other words, we're worth, we're worth more than any amount of money given on the face of the earth. Peter described it this way very simply in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from the feudal way of your life inherited from your forefathers, 
but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul simply described it as the indescribable gift. Very simple. Very simple. No amount of money can pay for it. If you gathered all the wealth of all the money in all of the world, you cannot pay for one drop of the blood of the Son of God. Our salvation wasn't cheap, was it? It couldn't be bought on the open market. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you think about it for a moment, it's hard to feel self-condemning when you realize what God did and God realized our worth by what He did to create us and to redeem us. The next thing is what we might call invested cost. Another fact, This is another factor when you start counting the cost to sell an item. How much have you invested in it? In other words, put it this way. You bought an old house. Fixed it up. Remodeled it on the inside. Maybe added a room. You fixed up the, its appearance on the front and back so it looks better than it did. And you get ready to sell it. Are you going to sell it for the price you paid for it? No. You're going to count in the vested time and the materials it costs to renovate that house when you put it back on the market and sell it. You're going to count all of that and all the expenses necessary to get your money back that you've invested God has invested a whole lot in each of us since we were created and since our conversions. Think about that. God has invested a whole lot in us since we were converted. Remember, all of us were fixer-uppers that needed to be cleaned out and re- cleaned out and fixed up in order to be what God wanted us to be, to be that perfect building. To become that temple that housed the Holy Spirit is through the Word. We needed that makeover, a complete makeover. And that begins once we become a child of God and we raised up that new life. We are now beginning to be that temple that God wants us to be. And the beauty of it is, it's not a one-time thing. God every day continues to invest in us God every day continues to give us what is necessary to keep our temple pure and clean as we walk on the face of this earth. And some of those things are very simple. One is we can talk to God anytime, any place, anywhere, any time of any day. We also realize that what we have in life, God's given to us. All of our sustenance, we might call it food, clothing, and shelter. God has given these things to us for us to take and to use to build a house or to have clothes or whatever we need to live life on this earth. And through this marvelous book, He guides our step every day we walk on this earth. And one thing is a pure guarantee. He's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. He's going to lead you in a direction that will build you up, that will make you the temple 
that he wants you to be as you walk on the face of this earth. Paul, writing to his brethren in Rome, in the 8th chapter of that book, in verse 32, reminds us, He did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? We might add to that which we need to live life on this earth as a child of God. Yes, God is invested in us. God takes care of us. God's with us each day of the week. Yes, it is true. It is easier to say God loves you instead of being able to say God loves me. It's a lot harder, isn't it? Yes, God loves all of us. Look at what He's done to help us. But also we look at this as well as from a servant's viewpoint. We have value because there's one other thing that we can do. And that is very simply we can bring glory to God. Truth. It always has been true. God values the services we render to Him as, our, as His child. The thought of a living, praising servant runs throughout the Word of God. And nothing greater comes to that point except the book of Psalms that David wrote and others. As they, that book is constantly filled with the praises to God Almighty for what He's done for each of us. And what we try to do each day ourselves to live life on this earth as a child and a follower of Him. Well, we have a problem at times. Our problem is at times we have what we call spiritual nearsightedness. We only see here. Because sometimes we let ourselves get clouded by things going on around us. We let ourselves get clouded by the things that's going on in our lives and we let them tend to overcome us and we begin to look here instead of out here. And we cannot see. Jeremiah had that problem as he began as a prophet for God, as he began to give pro- God, yeah, I can't do this, whatever. And God simply said to him, he's begin his marvelous book in beginning in chapter, chapter 1 verse 7. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am a youth. Because wherever I, wherever, everywhere I send you, you shall go. All that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have put my words in your mouth. And that's the most beautiful thing you could have heard said. I have put my words in your mouth. This is what God does to every one of us. Takes your little feeble efforts and makes them useful in His kingdom. Put it this way. If you're a one-talent person, the world will say you're useless. Why are you taking up space? Why are you getting in the way of the rest of us who have multi-talents and can do great things for the cause of the world? Get out of the way. Move on. You're worthless. God says, I don't care if you've got one talent or many. I will use you. And your time and your talents will never be wasted. Why? I have put my words in your mouth. I have helped you what to say. Peter, recognizing this, told us this in 1 Peter 4 and verse 11. Whoever speaks, introduced as one who speaketh the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. 
so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Being created by a God that has a purpose, every one of us, whether one talent or multiple talents, are capable of doing great things for the cause of God because He wants us and uses us and He definitely puts His words in our mouth. For you see, we tend to forget that God can accomplish things through us that we can never do on our own. But we also ought to look at this just simply from a biblical standpoint, and that's this way. In your house, you have things that are valuable to you because they're sentimental. Out on the open market, they might be worth 50 cents or a dollar. But to you, they're priceless. Why? Because they remind you of either mom or dad or your husband or your wife or a family member that you were close to all of these years and when they passed away, they gave you this particular item, whether it be a vase or a bowl or whatever it may be. To you, it has valuable value beyond all reason. Nobody could buy it. Because of its sentimental reasons to you. The story behind it is why you hang on to it so dearly. Why you wouldn't give it up under no circumstances. Same with us. The world may say you're worthless. The world may say get out of my way. The world may say you're one talent. We don't need you. But you got to always remember, God's sweet on us. God loves us. And He so loved us, as we know, that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? Because we possess a sentimental value to Him. God's crazy about us. God loves us. Don't He send you flowers every spring? Does he not give you a sunrise every morning? Absolutely. We said a moment ago, anytime you want to talk to him, he'll listen. Paul was right. Pray without ceasing. Anywhere we go, anytime, any place, he will hear. God can live anywhere he wants to in this old universe. But this tells us he chose to live to live in live in our hearts through this mighty word. He chose to live in us through this mighty word. If you want to know how much you're worth to him, think about that gift he gave you in Bethlehem. But even greater still, think of the gift he gave you on Calvary. Think of that gift on Calvary. That gift that no money can ever buy. The greatest example of love ever known. And we'll never be able to top it. The Son dying for us so we wouldn't have to. What are we worth? We all know the answer. 
An amount of money, amount that's greater than anything this world can ever produce in the way of money cannot pay for it. But what do we learn when we look at ourselves? First of all, that God loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. We really can't put it into words. There's an old hymn that says, if this, basically, if the sky were a scroll and every one of us had a quill for a pen and the ocean was ink, we could never exhaust the love of God. And that is so true. God wants us to love Him back. And most of all, He also wants us to love everyone else as He loves us. Do we matter? Yes, we do. Because of the purchase price that God already knew that would cost Him before He ever said, let there be light. It's hard to thank God when we think about that for a moment. This evening, if you have strayed from God's truth, here's an opportunity to return home to ask His forgiveness. He's promised you again. We said this morning He will do that very thing. If you come with that repentant heart and attitude, He'll forgive you. And not only will He forgive you, as we said then, He will forevermore forget. Truly think on these things while together we stand and while we sing. Amen.